This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bitheads. They are a staple in the tech community I come from and have done incredible work over the past 18 years with some of the largest brands in the world, including The Simpsons, Tapped Out, Box, Optimal Payments, The New York Times, among many, many, many others. All told, they've built over 500 solutions from enterprise to entertainment. I'm proud to have them as a part of Untether.tv. Please support us by supporting them. Go to bitheads.com. everybody and welcome to untethered.tv i'm your host and founder rob woodbridge i love doing these kinds of episodes i'm bringing kyle mckinnis in right now he is in right now kyle how you doing great good good uh kyle is a long 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 time friend i'm trying to remember kyle when when uh we met it was probably right before you took off and uh spent some time on a kibbutz with bazookas right uh, in israel yeah i I, uh, I was at smoke labs when it was a blogging company and uh I bailed and uh, really pissed you off. You really did. <laughs> boy, oh boy. I think you gave me like seven minutes notice, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then you sent a picture with yourself with these two bazookas on your arms. And uh, and it, somehow we uh, we became friends again right after that. Right? <laughs> Time uh, heals. Yeah, exactly. Time heals and so do bazookas. But uh, I'm trying to think. That was, that was uh, maybe 10 years ago. Is that about right? Oh, uh, yeah. It would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Back in back in the day, back in the early days, and um, and the reason uh, I like going back to Kyle, uh, this is probably your third or fourth time on on the show, uh, and we did a podcast. Uh, you know what was it called? Blackberry Untether Cool, Blackberry Cool Untether something. Blackberry. Yeah, and we got through a number of episodes, but I love having you on here because you're so honest about things. And and um, I caught a, a stream on Facebook of you. Touring across, uh, going from Ottawa to Toronto with uh, seven Bitcoin ATMs that you were going to go and install across uh, the greater city of Toronto. And it got my attention and I want to realize that I haven't sat down and had a conversation with you about what you are doing. And uh, that's what this is. So this is going to be an open conversation about what uh, what you're doing with Smoke Lab since the last time we, we had a conversation. Uh, what it's like to run an app company. What you are doing in Ottawa with this upcoming maker movement that... Uh, that your investor, your chief investor, John Criswick, is trying to do, who is the guy that I worked for for many years um, and had a blast doing it. And I want to talk about this whole Bitcoin piece that uh, that got you in a truck with seven Bitcoin machines, uh, plugging them in across the country, uh, across uh, Toronto. So where do we start? Let's start with what, what you're doing right now with Smoke Labs, because uh, you are the co-founder of Smoke Labs. What 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 have you guys been up to? Well, look, you you talk about this a lot. How hard it is to build a mobile app business, and um, you know, Smoke Labs, Smoke Labs is is on autopilot. It's uh, Smoke Labs has has got a few big contracts um, that are that are keeping the company rolling, keeping it solid. Um, the typical contract you're going to you're going to you're going to get is somewhere between fifty and a hundred k. Your overhead, you're lucky if your overhead is is 30 to 50k you can't build an app in less than a month um the margins don't make any sense in mobile um especially when you consider that your average game or your the average app is going to make about ten thousand dollars that's when you when just as an average 
Now everyone wants to think that they're the they're the they're the lucky ones. They're somehow special, and then cool virality K factor that they have is going to blast their stuff through the roof. But it's not. Your 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 app is not going to make any money. And uh, I think don't hold back, Kyle. Don't hold back. Yeah. So I think um, I think for me, you know, for me personally, I think Smoke Labs is in a good place. It's it's found it's found a few key partners. Um, it's never going to be a billion dollar business. It's never going to be anything more than uh, a solid amount of contracting work for some guys out of college. Um, what is going to be a big business is hardware. And for me personally, um, I, I'm glad Smoke Labs has got its, its, uh, its contracts. I'm glad it's, it's doing well. Um, I see, I see hardware, and John and and my investor sees sees hardware as as the next big thing, um, as uh, as being a place where you can build a billion dollar business. You know, I, I think the difference is really clear. And, and, and John, uh, who we're talking about here, it's also the purveyor, the founder of Magmic. Uh, they've been building games for longer than games have been available on smartphones, older than smartphones. Back in the day when I was, did operations there, we were building them for J2ME devices, right? So, you know, uh, dumb phones. Um, but uh, but when you, you know, and so he's built his own IP games, right? So he's had some success with his own kind of games. He's built branded games. And the same thing with Smoke Labs. Um, but you guys have been like a, um, a game developer for hire. And it is next to impossible to make uh, a, like, unless you scale exponentially and you have 30 projects on the go, it's very difficult to make a consistent living in app making as it becomes more of a commodity. But the hardware side or your own IP side really, really, really is where the revenue is going to be, the, the opportunity to grow that company. Um, and that's that's probably what you're suffering through right now. Well, and, you know, the other thing is it's just nice to be in a business where you're, you're hands-on. Right. You know, um, so you, you, you build your own IP and software. You put out the app. I mean, maybe you get a, an article here, an article there, and you see a little uptick in uh, in downloads. But um, it's nothing compared to having product in-house and knowing that you have to hustle the hell out of it. And, you know, and, and being able to see that hardware disappear and then building up the supply again, uh, it's, it's a totally different uh, mentality. And it's a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know that the the Bitcoin um, ATM run that I did, that was really refreshing in that sense too. Just being able to move a Bitcoin into a space, set it up, you know, do all the wiring for it, do something actually with your hands, and uh, and finish it was was really rewarding. You know, uh, Kyle, I spend most of my time behind a monitor, right? You know that since the day that we met, I spent most of my time behind a monitor, whether it's running companies or doing this. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, this summer what I did is I spent some time and I built a porch. And it was the most satisfying thing that I've ever done. It's not maker and technology, but uh, I had to go and buy a drill and a saw and hammers and nails and wood and think about shapes and think about, um, you know, I had to do some math for the first time in a long time, which is frightening. Um, I had to redo the stairs nine times. You know what I mean? Like when you start to, when you start to get into that, it, it activates some piece of your mind that has probably been dormant for so long as you are, you know, on a treadmill 
trying to run towards that next $60,000 contract that you know you're going to lose money on. And you know there's a client over here that's going to be complaining, uh, even though you're burning cash and they're getting much more value than they're actually paying for. So the idea of soldering, the idea of building, and uh, we watch this with Black Sumac, another one of John's companies, uh, kind of go through that over 18 months, build this great camera detection device, home security, personal small business security camera device, and then build it up, go through the prototyping, you know, build it in their office space, go on, uh, you know, go do some crowds uh, funding, and then sell the company, right? Like you see that it's tangible, but could you do that with uh, Smoke Labs? No, and and I think that that's why I'm so excited for this transition. You know, we're seeing, um, you know, Smoke Labs is Smoke Labs go, is doing well. Yep. But you know, from my perspective, things are shifting to hardware. They're shifting to this maker space that we're building. We're shifting to creating things with your hands, building product, shipping physical product, and uh, bringing manufacturing back to the Western world. <laughs> Tell tell me about this this maker this maker space idea that you guys are so, building up. Looking at twenty thousand square feet, um, we're going to put up all the the capital for the equipment that the startups need. So whether that be uh, laser cutters or three um, D printers or this you know the um, the soldering tools, we're going to put up that as well as the the money for the the real estate, and then we're going to have hardware companies come in. Um, and they're going to lease it just like any other kind of startup space. Um, the difference is in our space, you've got the maker community, you've got the maker space, uh, as well as you've got the connections to a, um, a group of investors that have already had a hardware exit. Um, so get out of the other incubators, uh, what it, what else is there in Ottawa? I mean, there's the uh, there's Invest Ottawa, but who wants to be incubated by a bunch of bureaucrats? <laughs> well, I I am one hundred percent with you, right? And uh, and who don't give you any value other than maybe a roof, but it costs you money anyways, right? Um, this is a unique idea, and and uh, but it, I mean, is it modeled after anything? Have you or John seen anything like this out there? Yeah, so I spent um, I spent quite a bit of time in Toronto at uh, MakeWorks, yep. um, which uh, MakeWorks has got. So their value add is um, Mike Stern. He's the guy who founded it. He uh, he had you know he was part of the exit of Extreme Labs yep. and their their sale to Pivotal. Um, so they've got the value add of they've actually they've got Indiegogo has a, an official office in MakeWorks. So that's a that's a beautiful overlap. I mean, you see any successful Indiegogo campaign, major tech Indiegogo, uh, it's it's tech, it's uh, it's IoT, it's hardware. Right. Um, right. And uh, so that's a beautiful merger. I think they're going to do really well. But I'd actually like to steal some startups from Toronto because even at that, their price per square footage is really high. Yeah. Um, Just because it's Toronto. Yeah, and and Ottawa has the 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 value of we're gonna have you know previous exit some great hardware companies, uh, but the real estate is gonna be cheaper and we're gonna offer more. Yeah, and uh, what a wonderful story if we can have that of stealing startups from Toronto. I'm I'm all for that. I think, well, <laughs> we need it. We need an injection of something, and and uh, you know Ottawa has gone through this transformation. 
Uh, and it's really a software town now, right? So it's a government town. You take away the government, the majority of what's left here is software. Like you know, QNX is software. Uh, when you look at Shopify, it's software. It might be software as a service, but it's still software. Uh, very few hardware, core hardware companies, uh, you know, and that's really in the 60s and 70s and 80s. That's where Ottawa was with Mitel, and they were they were boards and fabs, and and that was that was what gave a rise and prominence in the late 90s and early 2000, uh, early part of the century to Ottawa as a, an investment mecca. And um, and now you're starting to see little pockets of hardware companies like Black Sumac and a number of other ones that are that are actually uh, working through. And I mean, the only thing that happens with software companies is that they get acquired by wealthy uh, or bigger American counterparts. Like we just, we see that every week here in Ottawa, software company mm. getting by. But well, that's not to say that if somebody wanted to buy on Tether.tv, I'm wide open to that. That's a good <laughs> conversation to have. Um, but uh, I, I like this. And, and so the time frames for you to be able to kind of implement this, what are you guys looking at here? So we, we want to launch in the fall. The fall of so this year. That's amazing. Moving, yeah, we're moving fast. Um, I mean, it's the benefits of, of private money, right? Yeah. Uh, you, look at, you look at what else is going on in Ottawa. There's the uh, Bayview Innovation Yards, which, I mean, it's a massive project. That's 180,000 square feet planned. Yeah. Um, with construction finishing sometime in 2016. Uh, that Which they usually means 2018, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. they want to fill it with startups with a phase two of this enormous tower. Um, and what we're, what they're building is the equivalent of Mars. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a financial ruin. Um, they have the mentality of just build it and they will come, uh, spend, spend tax dollars like it's going out of style, and uh, instead, we're building something fast. We're building it to scale. So we're starting small. Uh, we've already got, you know, we're talking to startups right now about moving in. Um, and, uh, and it's going to make a lot more sense. It's what the community needs. It's also the timing of this has got, you know, the, you got to be opportunistic on timing, right? So 2016, 2017, you're forgotten. Um, under the teat of the uh, local government here is uh, is not a positive, right? It, it's um, and that's where these these organizations are. But on the on the flip side, you, you understand why the mayor of every city has to start to think about how they can actually help incubate and build the startup community in their inside of their city, or else they will flee. They'll go to Waterloo. They'll go to San Francisco, which is exactly what's happening with a lot of these companies. They'll go to other media centers where there is greater support. And we're not talking about tax havens. We're talking about infrastructure support and, and the ability to, to grow good companies. So I can't wait to see this. I, I hope that this is that this works out. I hope that this is totally successful um, as a uh, as a place. And then I'll come and broadcast from there. Great. That's, We'd love to have you. That's what I'll do. Um, I, got, I got a couple of other questions, though, here. Um, so, you know, when we worked together, uh, BlackBerry Cool was uh, was the number one BlackBerry podcast. Now, um, we didn't talk about this before the show, but I got to get your, your thoughts on what's what's happening uh, with, you know, Canada's number one technology company in BlackBerry. Do you still keep your eye on what's going on with those guys? Yeah, definitely. Um, the the I keep my eye on it. The problem is I don't care. Uh, <laughs> That's a big problem. You know, I, well, it's just it's it's enterprise software. It's um, they're they're going a hundred percent enterprise. I get the impression you're not even going to be able to buy a BlackBerry in stores. Hmm. Um, you're going to have to order it through your IT department or um, whatever whatever is happening at that company is it's appealing to you know Cisco and the the big Fortune 500, and it's just not it's not 
I don't find that I personally don't find that interesting. I love, you know, we love startups. We love what's new. I'm, I'm. That's where my head is at. Yeah. And if BlackBerry's become a an enterprise company, well, it's not BlackBerry cool anymore. It's it's BlackBerry. Blah. It's BlackBerry safe and IT friendly. <laughs> it's BlackBerry. It's BlackBerry vanilla. BlackBerry beige, yeah. right? It's beigeberry. Um, and that's what maybe, yeah, and that was where they started. And and when I ran Rove, it was always the same thing is that when I ran Mag, when I did operations for MagMic, it was different because we were consumer play and we wanted them to move into the consumer space. And I moved over to Rove and then I said, what are you doing in the consumer space, man? Focus on the enterprise. What are you idiots? And, and uh, you know, they did. And and uh, the Rove, Rove co-founder, uh, Paul Dumay, who now has run off and, and basically restarted Rove um, with IT Manager, another product, um, he, uh, he, he just used to always say this to me. He said, like, what, what BlackBerry should do is, is just license Android, right? License Android, the operating system, and build the hardware for that. And, and, and that would be the, the uh, consumer-facing um, smartphone business and call it Raspberry, right? And just keep, keep the two brands separate. So if, if one crashed and cratered, whichever one it was, it wouldn't have a detrimental effect. But obviously, he didn't, they didn't listen to Paul. Well, I mean, I still, I still use a BlackBerry. I can't believe that. What are you doing? You can't you, put that I thing love, away. I actually really like my BlackBerry. It's because you uh, haven't tried anything else, man. <laughs> of course, I've tried. I've tried other things. It's uh, the keyboard is unparalleled. I think it's gonna, it's going to do well in the enterprise. Yeah, of course. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's great. They're going back to their roots. It's just, you know, do I want to run uh, a blog about it? No, I, I couldn't bring myself to write about. Enterprise. So uh, no, well, there's nothing interesting at all, and, and I mean they're still having the debate of uh, you know the bring your own device debate, and here is BlackBerry as the opportunity to capitalize on that because every IT director in the world hates bring your own device. They hate it. No matter what they say in the world, they hate the fact that they that they have to talk this way. So if if BlackBerry refocuses on the enterprise, you'll get all these IT directors. CTOs out there who are in charge of the infrastructure saying, okay, we're going BlackBerry because it's the only, I will hand you a device again. And that's, it's going to be locked down inside of the enterprise again because of what BlackBerry is doing. That's why people will move over. No more iPhones, no more open uh, Android devices, nothing, none of that. It's take this BlackBerry and shove it. And that's exactly yeah. what it's going to be like. <laughs> it's, it's a good strategy if they can market it to that, right? Totally. All right. Last question is around this uh, cross-country, uh, cross-Ontario uh, trip that you that you took. That really piqued my interest because um, uh, this whole world of of Bitcoin, uh, you know, kind of flared up, became media news, became everything. Everybody started accepting it, uh, and there you are with a truck with uh, you know with a, was it like a an eighteen wheeler with seven seven huge, yeah huge eighteen footer Penske truck filled with seven Bitcoin <laughs> ATMs. Uh, Tell me the story. So we we delivered them all over the you know GTA uh, as well as Toronto, Yorkdale Mall, second biggest mall in Canada, um, Mississauga, Scarborough Town Center, um, downtown Toronto, right on Bay Street. So there's there, we uh, right at Young and St Clair. We've got um, right on the corner is TD Bank, CIBC, <laughs> RBC. The other coin. The other corner is empty. Bitcoin. Bitcoin. <laughs> I love it, and uh, and and in the Niagara, uh, Casino Niagara too. As soon as you walk into Casino Niagara, boom, Bitcoin okay. ATM. So how did he get? How did uh, so? Who who were you doing this with? CA Vertex. CA Vertex, and and how, how did they get the rights to put these machines in those locations? It's a partnership with a company called Gateway Newsstands, 
And so they've got um, a little, you know, newsstand in all of these locations. Oh, amazing. Chocolate bars. So they just put them right there inside Gateway Newsstands. Gateway Newsstands looking for a way to, you know, because you can only do chocolate bars and soda for so long. You need something to, you know, some sort of value add, some reason for people to come into your store. And so this Bitcoin ATM, you know, it, it Bitcoin garners a lot of news. And, and actually, that's one of the things I've noticed. A lot of people getting on Bitcoin just for the news bump. Yeah. Um, you know, I've even seen just everyone says we sell Bitcoin now or, or we take we accept Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yep. We accept Bitcoin because it gives you that extra little boost. Yeah, we saw Shopify do the same thing. I mean, how, how what's the currency that actually goes through? Who pays in Bitcoin? I mean, you got paid in Bitcoin, but who... who but, <laughs> who pays in Bitcoin? It's like, you know, oh, we accept PayPal, but that PayPal doesn't stay there. It's cash. It goes right into my account, right? So who cares, right? But uh, yeah. do you know anybody who, who, who pays in Bitcoin, who gives a damn about Bitcoin? Honestly. Uh, well, I met a lot of people on this on this trip who give a, who give a damn about Bitcoin. And, um, you know, I think that what I realized is Bitcoin as a currency is highly speculative and very volatile. Yes. And... Even the chief scientist of the Bitcoin Foundation doesn't believe you should move your money into Bitcoin. Um, he he believes it's too volatile. It's an experiment, and where the value of Bitcoin is is in blockchain. It's this peer-to-peer -peer verification system, and it's the technology. Um, it's that's what that's what true Bitcoiners are hap are are really enthusiastic about. Not it's a not, currency. It's not the currency. It's the it's the infrastructure. Yeah. Okay, so Kyle, you install these things, like you've got these Bitcoin uh, dispensing machines, they're ATMs, like what What do I do when I walk up? Am I am I getting Bitcoin out to pay for my magazine? Am I putting Bitcoin in? Like wh why, what are they? So currently it's 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 only one direction. Money goes in and you it adds to your Bitcoin wallet. Now, um, you know, I didn't hear any of this from CA Vertex, but this is just, purely based on logic, it's a drug dealing machine. <laughs> uh, I mean, think about it. Who's using, who needs to move massive amounts of cash into a digital form, then take it out elsewhere? Drug dealers. It's a laundering so, machine? It's, well, it's not, I don't know, I don't think it's laundering. Laundering suggests that you're taking it out again and, and somehow legitimizing the currency. No, that's not what it is. It's if I'm a drug dealer and I have thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, um, I'm at risk to having my money stolen. So if I move it into Bitcoin and then my supplier takes it out somewhere else, the money is not there. So I don't have to worry about getting robbed. The police aren't going to confiscate it and everything works much more efficiently. So, so Bitcoin is a way to store your cash digitally, so you don't get uh, mugged in the real world if you're a drug dealer. So that's just personally how that's. I mean, just when I look at these ATMs, I. I mean, that's just that's the obvious thought that comes to mind. I mean, that's who's going to use them, because anyone who is familiar with Bitcoin is going to be trading Bitcoin in a much more sophisticated in an manner. Exchange, so absolutely. In in a, yeah, obviously online. Who needs the convenience of a of an ATM to funnel all this cash? I mean, either you're a brand new user who just needs to set up a quick Bitcoin wallet, or you're a drug dealer. Oh my God! 
I never thought of that. Or an arms dealer, right? One of these do. <laughs> someone, someone who is afraid of having lots of cash. Yeah. And in an un, uh, and in a regulated currency, so some that's visible to everybody. So if you put it in Bitcoin, it's an unregulated currency. Um, that's fascinating. I, you know what? I, I I don't know any drug dealers, but we do know that when the Bitcoin exchanges went down, uh, I mean, a lot of the activity inside of these Bitcoin exchanges, not the dollar exchanges, but where you actually buy goods and services through Bitcoin, the underground stuff, was not uh, how we, how we say above ground when it came to the stuff that they were selling, right? Now, look, I, I think I think it does the Bitcoin industry a disservice to attach it to drug dealers. Now, but it's it's an obvious I mean, it, it's it's obvious yeah. to me. And it's a certain it is a certain group of the the uptake. I think Bitcoin is is going to be much bigger. I do believe that a peer to peer digital currency makes sense. I mean, just think about sending money to, you know, Uganda or something like Western Union is is a terrible company. They rob the poor who are trying to send money back to poor countries. They make a lot of money off of poor people and Bitcoin circumvents that. And I think that's really that's really powerful. But let's not ignore the fact that there's a Bitcoin ATM in Ottawa. I see a lot of people coming in, they in, into the bar, they use the ATM, they're not drinking. They're just <laughs> like <laughs> They do not look like the type that hang out in pubs, let's say that. Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, it's also going to be then a good place for uh, security cameras to be set up. You know what I mean? Like uh, for stings, right? So be careful out there if you're using any of these. But there is a business model here. These guys are making money. These companies are making money on the exchange, right? On, on the deposit. There's a per co per deposit cost, um, I'm going to assume. That's how they got to make money? Absolutely. Which is another reason why would you use a Bitcoin ATM to when the fees are 9%. Like that's a lot. That's a lot that's, of money. That's a lot of money. Um, if I were truly interested in investing in Bitcoin, I would just go online and, and use uh, like I would deposit from my bank and avoid those fees. Um, the benefit of Bitcoin is low fees, yeah. and these ATMs are are pretty costly. <laughs> well, you heard it right here. That's why I like talking to you, Kyle. I just like talking to you about this stuff because you know what? It, it's it's unfiltered and uh, it's logical. It is. So what do we get out of this? BlackBerry sucks. Uh, Bitcoin machines uh, dispense, uh, are for drug dealers. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. And uh, software is a cesspool and we're moving into hardware. Correct. I think that sums it up nicely. Boom. <laughs> How do we make this into a regular episode? I don't know, but uh, I love it. Kyle, thank you for coming on, man. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, buddy. Where can we send people? Where should we send people for more information right now? Well, the new thing I'm working on is makerspacenorth.com. So makerspacenorth.com, sign up get updates it's going to be super cool and if you're in the city and you're building a product or you're thinking about building a product keep an eye on that uh, makerspacenorth.com .com. kyle mckinnis ladies and gentlemen the incomparable kyle mckinnis <laughs> makerspacenorth.com thank you kyle thank you thank folks you, for Rob. watching wherever you are whatever you're doing thank you for tuning in and i'm going to get kyle on more often how does that sound <laughs> see you later All right.